0: Hi, I'm Mel and I'm Trish and, and this, this is, is the Don't Give a 50 podcast. Let's make getting old the new gold oh, as you say. I like that. Oh, I like that one too. That was mine. I think that was mine. Hi 50-ishers, it's Mel and Trish. Welcome to this week's episode of Don't Give a 50, a podcast for midlife women. She keeps looking at me like I'm
2: going to heckle, but I'm not.
0: (laughs) Dare to be awesome (laughs) and don't give a 50 like us. We are sending massive thanks to 50 Isha Tony SJ who left a review this week and she wrote, These two beautiful souls never fail to entertain. Monday blues are long gone knowing I can listen to the next entertaining episode. They dare to touch on sensitive subjects with a light-hearted approach. Do yourself a favour as Molly Meldrum says, or used to say, and tune in to Don't Give Her 50. So thank you, yeah, Tony. thanks, Tony. What a champion you are. What, what a legend. Best. And
2: if anyone else would like to join Tony <laughs> in leaving reviews and ratings for us, they're very much appreciated. Please go ahead. Yes.
0: So I think, Trish, Tony really touches on a um, an important point there because although you and I try well we love having a laugh and we definitely try to bring that <laughs> light hearted <laughs> element Banter. and, and flavour to our episodes. We're very, very committed to sharing the harder stories and the real life experiences of women just as a way of reminding us and everybody just how completely awesome Midlife women are, you know, yeah, how yeah. all women we become so resilient, we become quite fearless, you know, as we navigate our way through certain challenges. And I
2: think, too, we also touch on that even during hard times, it's okay to have a laugh. Absolutely. Today,
0: we're in the studio with Bronwyn Healy, who has a really remarkable story to tell an extraordinary story, really. And she is author. She is a motivational speaker. She began a social enterprise. She began a foundation. She is mum to three incredible um, young adult women. And she's currently studying counselling. But prior to that, she had a terrible heroin addiction and turned to a life of crime and prostitution, which makes her story for me so compelling.
2: Yeah, it's just such an extraordinary story and one that some of us just can't fathom. But I think her bravery and her dedication that she has turned her life around but also so generously and openly shares her story. She does. Yeah. That that is just so wonderful. Absolutely. I am um, I I totally agree and I
0: take ul- my hat off to her. And ultimately Bronwyn is an overcomer. So she has agreed to come in and chat about her extraordinary life with us. So welcome to Don't Give a 50,
2: lovely Aww. Bronwyn. She Thanks is for having lovely. me. Yeah. We were just having a conversation when you arrived and went and refreshed yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that you have such a beautiful, warm... Awesome. Hug. 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 <laughs> You're we a, great we're <laughs> a great hugger. She is a great hugger. She's a... TLC. Tight, long hugger. Tight, mm-hmm. long hugger. We love TLC. We mm-hmm. love it. It's yeah. Trisha Trish Trish and, and, and I are both it. big huggers. I came and back we into love the a studio long, and I said, Mel, I said, she mm. is just divine. Mm. We just had the loveliest hug <laughs> and Mel went, so did we. And then so we went into this whole conversation about tight, long huggers and how much we love them <laughs> and yeah. how they make you just feel so special. So thank you.
3: Aww. So the women that we used to reach at the charity used to say that we should be called the Hug Foundation.
0: Yeah. Because yes. they were like,
3: and they, the newer women would say, say to the women that had been around for a long time, what is she doing? Mm. And they would say, she won't let go until you lean in. Yeah, oh, That's yeah.
2: lovely. Until your cup is full. Yep. Oh, but how amazing
0: it. does a hug make you feel as well? Like sometimes if you're having one of those days or if something mm. ha- traumatic has happened in your life, mm. I actually vividly remember, mm-hmm. you know, when I lost my niece in 2020, yes. some of the long hugs I mm-hmm. got were my lifeline It's funny because
2: you and I haven't seen each other for over a week and when we saw each other this morning, it was was definitely a TLC. Exactly. They're healing hugs. They
0: are. They are. I know. And you can't put a price on those. No, you cannot. Mm. So thanks. We started on a great note, didn't we? We did. With our long hugs.
2: Yeah. So Bronwyn, I guess the best place to start is the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we know you were raised a good kid and then got caught up in a life of heroin addiction, crime and prostitution. Are you comfortable sharing your story of how a good girl from the suburbs... Ends up in that situation. Yeah. This is actually my old
3: hood for a couple oh, of reasons. Okay. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. thanks for the memories. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> well, there has been already a long time. There. Yeah. No, it's but also, you know,
2: it's one of those moments where you go, well, look at me now. Look at me now. Yeah. Mm. Driving around the streets. Yeah.
3: So, I grew up in Melbourne. To parents who loved me the best way they knew how. And when I say I was raised a good kid, my dad was an alcoholic till I was three. He got sober when I was three, but there was, you know, unpleasant memories. And there was a lot of healing in our family story. So that yes. he joined a self-help program. I'm turned 47 this year, so I'm almost 50-ish.
2: And... I just um, say you look so much younger. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I digress again.
3: I'll take that. The life I've lived, I feel like I should look like I'm 90. No, no. No, I'll take that. Thank you. Extraordinarily youthful looking. Thanks. So when they joined a self-help program, so turned 47 this year, he's still attached to that 44 years later Mm -hmm. and still sober, to my understanding. And when I was 13, we moved from Melbourne to Brisbane and I went to the Elite Fancy Girls School here around the corner. Okay. And I didn't love it for a few reasons I just I'd grown up with the same friends the same life you know back in the early 80s you could still walk to school and not be afraid so we were kind of like the kids in you know stand by me where you just kind of walk around the block from you know Mm. home to school and Mm -hmm. you'd pick up the friends and they'd wait at the gate and oh my gosh it was so beautiful and innocent yeah oh miss it anyway and then we moved to Brisbane so I didn't fit in and I didn't really know myself. So I'd been taken away from everything that was familiar.
2: Mm. And that's such a transitional age, yeah, the teenager. Oh my gosh. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, now my kids Hormones. are 17, 19, 21. Mm. And we've lived through 13 three times and survived. But, yeah. yes. Felt like just some days. Yeah. And so I didn't really fit in. And, you know, we drove a Tirana and everyone else drove a Porsche and a Lamborghini and a whatever else. And,. My mum and dad went into debt to send me to the fancy girls' school and I just didn't know who I was and I didn't fit in. So I tried my best to fit in. Didn't find a group, so I kind of did things. you know, the, the guidance counsellor's like, well, instead of blaming everybody else, why don't you find a group? I was
2: like, oh. And that's really easy it's to do at yeah. school at 13, exactly. especially when a lot of these girls have known each other for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. Hard so to break join, in. Like, Yeah. It's hard to break in.
3: So I joined an art group because I've always loved art, but I realised in the art group I wasn't very good at art. (laughs) Subjective.
0: (laughs) It is subjective. Wrong one. Neither am I. I know, but
3: I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so I got to the end of grade 12 and they started to ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, at 15 you think you are grown up and you know everything. So I just decided I was going to make movies and go to Hollywood.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Why not? I think Why I not? may have had the same thoughts mm-hmm. running through my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a rock star. Oh, look at us. But yeah. yeah. well, they were didn't my two it. top choices. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay.
3: So yeah. I the school I went to didn't offer film and TV. It offered lots of other things, yeah. but not mm-hmm. that. So I found a school that did, told my folks about it. They'd already said that I could go because my dad was a projectionist. I'd grown up around film. And so he said that they said I could go. And then they were like, that school's known for gangs and drugs. And I remember sitting at the table with them because I think in film, you know, that's how I see things and how mm-hmm. I have memories. That's why driving around these streets, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm seeing memories. Yeah, wow. And I remember sitting at the dining table and they were like, there's gangs and drugs there. And I said, you've raised me. I'm I'm a pretty good kid.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know
3: how to say no. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we already have the spoiler alert that by the time I was, you know, I was a drug addicted prostitute. So somewhere between I'm a good kid, I know how to say no. Somewhere amidst that, I said yeah.
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 you know, loving family, normal mm-hmm. suburbs.
0: Yeah. Yep. So was there a critical moment? So something happened?
3: Nothing outrightly happened. And this is the craziness and why I keep telling my story, because it wasn't this, that or the other. It was okay. two weeks out from the end of grade 12. Yes. The school I was at, everyone smoked pot every day like it was normal, Mm -hmm. took other drugs. And I said no. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I just want to focus. I want to get into uni. Right. Two weeks out from the end of grade 12, I knew I had the grades to get to uni. Mm -hmm. And someone offered me pot and I said yes. And they would have Mm -hmm. thought I was like this wild social experiment because I was the girl that always said no. And I said yes. And smoke pot the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day and and then got to the end of grade 12 and tried speed and ecstasy and whatever over the school break. Cocaine out of one relationship into another with a guy who was a heroin addict.
0: And he was a school leaver as well? No
3: so he was we'd met outside of school. Right. Um, I'd moved by then over to Highgate Hill on the south side just near South Bank now at South Bank and um, you know he was the bad boy yeah the blue mm. eyes
0: mm. Mm-hmm. so so relationships are so important at that stage, aren't aren't they? Because he's so impressionable uh-huh. and if he's has an addiction, mm. you know, and you're experimenting, yeah. it's like the perfect storm, yeah, and I fell pregnant,
3: had an abortion, didn't realize I was gonna feel guilty or ashamed. and remember just wanting to be numb, okay. And so, yeah. And the heroine provided that numbing that you moment, needed. Moment. He didn't give it to me at first and I thought that that's what love looked like, that you don't oh, give your girlfriend okay. heroin. What a good guy. Didn't want to share. Mm. Well, basically now I learned that he didn't want to share. But I thought, wow. oh, wow, he really loves me.
2: So that progression mm. from pot to, you know, some people say, oh, I just do drugs mm. recreationally or whatnot. You know, was there a time, like, you know, Oh, okay, I'll try pot. Mm. Oh, okay, I'll try the next thing speed mm. ecstasy. So, from that speed ecstasy to cocaine, that's another jump. But then, you know, I guess for a lot of us, heroin is the images conjure up from mm. movies and TV. Like, mm. was it that a big step? Like, when you took that first hit of heroin, what was your mindset around that? Wanting to be numb. Yeah
3: seeing the impact that it, not thinking about the friends that had overdosed or didn't think about any of that. It was very selfish. It was a very, very, very selfish season
0: yeah, of my life.
3: Um, yep. And so I just wanted to be numb. And I remember throwing up after the shot of heroin and thinking, wow, but at least I felt purged and then I didn't feel anything. So then it was like two or three days later, I was like, I want more of that.
2: Yeah, and I went from,
3: power. yeah, went from $25 a day at the start up to when I was selling my body just around the corner here on St Paul's Terrace, up to back then $800,
0: $900 worth of heroin a day. Wow. And what time frame are we talking? How many months or years? Um,
3: I started heroin at 18 and thought that I had it together. Yeah. was Mm -hmm. working in a cinema, started stealing from them, got fired from there and literally went home and I was just like my body needed the drugs. Yeah, by that was how so. By operated. then, it was probably a year and a half, two years in, mm-hmm. and I needed the drugs, and so I literally went home and said to the boyfriend, "We've sold everything; like we're living in a squat." So the you're still th- with him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only thing, it was so dysfunctional. Oh my gosh! But yeah, his blue eyes. Oh, gosh, I was a sucker. Yeah, and I paid for a lot of his heroin, and so yeah, I know. No.
0: So basically, you went to work. Yeah, I said the, only the relationship thing I've got left is my body and him. Did he, did, did he do the same thing? No. No? Oh, no. Mm. So
3: we lived in the illegal brothel around here on one of the other side streets of...
0: Wow. C- yeah. Can I go back uh, mm. a couple of steps there, Bronwyn? Mm. When you said that you, like two weeks out from the end of year 12, you took your first... You were offered um, pot and you mm-hmm. said yes for the first time, mm-hmm. the girl that always said no, mm. and then the next day and the next day. Were you accepted into a particular group at that time? Did that give you that sense of belonging to a group had you been struggling at that point is that why you said yes you went from no to yes the
3: funniest thing was like I look back on my my mum took so many photos of everybody everywhere and the, all of the friends and the you know I would love having people over for dinner and all of grade 11 and 12 is all of the cool hippie boys and girls and dreads and long hair and my mum mm-hmm. loved Everybody, mm. So we have all of these photos of, you know, my mum. They were stoned. I wasn't. My mum oh, feeding no. them chocolate yogurt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. chocolate yogurt. Munchies. She's like, they really like their <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, so if, if such and such gee. is coming
3: over, we've got to make sure we've got chocolate yogurt. You're like, okay. So I already fitted in with the Misfit crew. Right. But after all of those years at the girls' school, it just kind of, they were my people. Yeah. Right. Okay. And they yeah. weren't
2: judgmental. No. They were
3: accepting.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it was a sense of belonging.
3: Yeah, I already felt so, like I already belonged to them. And, and yeah. when I smoked pot, it wasn't them like, oh, my gosh, you finally said yes. It was yeah. the other people outside of our inner circle that yeah. were just like, Brahman got stoned? <laughs> yeah. Mm. So
2: was there a point when were you, you were using heroin that, that you realised – that you were an addict or was it just like this is just my life at the moment Mm. and I can you know stop when I need to or but I don't really need to.
3: So the illegal brothel I was living in I eventually got rid of the boyfriend. I went and saw his dad one day and he's like just we need to send him to England to his grandmother (gasps) and you two are going to kill each other like you're dying. So at my worst I weighed 40 kilos looked and felt like death warmed up. People were paying me money to have sex with my body and soul. It was horrible. And I remember calling another friend who was also a heroin addict and saying, I need to detox. Like I've got to get off these drugs. Why is that? I think at that stage, my madam was, I wasn't even seeing the money. Like I was doing the work and she was paying me in heroin.
2: Wow. Oh,
3: yeah, it was horrible.
2: So, Brian, so, at this stage, had you lost contact
3: with your mum? Mm, she came and found me yeah. one night in the illegal brothel. We still don't know how she got my phone number. I suspect some friend or family worked for the government and illegally gave her my address. Mm. So you, how did you hide it?
0: from your do you
3: have siblings? I have an older brother. He okay. lived in Melbourne and at that stage he was living in Thailand, so. Okay. Really All right. So to easy to him. easy
0: to hide um, from mm-hmm. him, but your mum and dad who yeah. live in Brisbane, like did you still have a relationship with them? So they were living on the sunny coast.
3: They had seen me go from pot to other drugs to, you know, I used to get the bus up to them. And I would get off the bus and I remember and getting off the bus one time. I had a shaved head and I looked like I was mm. dying. And my mum's like, do you have cancer? Oh, oh yeah. got- So she
2: was fully naive.
3: Mm. She knew that I wasn't well. She just never wanted to name it. Yeah. Okay. And she yep. loved me anyway. Of course. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, but all of the photos of that six years of my life, I'm holding my, you know, right arm. Oh, where okay. I had my track marks behind my back or I'm wearing jackets in yeah. 34 degree heat. And yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, So, when you talk about the prostitution too, obviously, was just something that you did to feed the habit. Mm. How do you end up in prostitution? Like, I am so naive Mm. about the industry and I would imagine that, you know, like any industry, there's at one end, it's professional, it's safe, it's regulated regulated, and then at the other end, it's dangerous and dodgy and Mm. whatnot, like... How did you go? Okay, well we're out of money. This is an option. What where did you go? Mm.
3: So it was back in 1994, 1995 so everything was illegal in Brisbane. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I literally opened up the yellow pages back in the days when you had a yellow pages cuz no one had I know had fines. I'm like, oh what's that?" So I opened the yellow pages under escort agency. Yes. Looked at the names and some of them are, were horrible.
0: Yeah.
3: And one was called companions. And I thought, "Oh, that's nice." And so I literally made a phone call. The lady's like, how old are you? I said, nearly 21. Are you pretty? She said, my mum thinks I am. Well, at that stage, my mum probably didn't think I was.
2: Mm.
3: And all she said was, do you take drugs? And I was like, no. (laughs) And she said, can you come for an interview this afternoon? We walked from Highgate Hill because we had all of our money spent on heroin. Walked from Highgate Hill to St. Do you Hill.
2: remember that walk and what was going through your head? Were I'd you processing what you were about to do? No.
3: No. I had no idea what I was about to do. Mm. I had a conversation with the lady on one side of the street. She said, that's the brothel over there, and took me over, introduced me to some 50-year-old receptionist lady who'd been in the industry for 30-something years. Yep. And they gave me a tour of the place, and all they said was, there's no kissing, this is sex, not intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yep. We take 50% of your money and don't do any extras behind closed doors. It's
0: dangerous. Okay. Can you start work tonight? Wow. So the the power of the addiction is so great that it, um, I guess, overshadows any fear or doubts or overtakes any fears or doubts you may have had at that point of what you were about to embark on. I had in my life at that stage slept with five or six people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I just want to yeah. give young Bronwyn a big hug. I know, man. Yeah, go and back Bronwyn in time. Now. I know. Yeah. 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 Girl. So obviously there were times in that environment where you were scared, mm. put in danger, or Yeah,
3: and often from the other women because I was wow. the pretty new young thing oh. on the street and I didn't know the rules. I didn't understand the protocol.
2: So, so were you okay. in the brothel or were you on the street and took them into the brothel? Both, yeah. So okay. you found oh. your
3: clients on the street. And I very quickly got a lot of regulars because I was the pretty new young thing. So yeah, then the other women rich. don't like that at no. all.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. Did you sort of compartmentalise in your mind when you were like with those particular clients and then like in order to to just sort of deal with what you, what the experience
3: was? I took more drugs to feel more numb and then you'd need to take speed or ecstasy to stay awake. So I was taking the cocktail of those things and the heroin to feel numb. But the more money, the more that you sleep with the more money
2: you make and the more money you have to spend on drugs yeah mm-hmm. for so you just boyfriend con- remember oh, probably so. oh quite, yeah yeah would it be oh. fair to say like you're almost in oblivion like you, you totally lost touch with the real absolutely. existence yeah absolutely yeah no Tenure idea and, and mm-hmm. it was
3: you know it was 12 months I've you know spoken in a lot of schools and whatever over the years and a lot yeah. of young girls say 12 months isn't very long Oh, yes. Oh, it is. And it you is. look at them and you're like, sweetheart, 12 seconds is too long. Yeah. yeah. I was somebody's daughter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's baby. Yeah. Like, like ex- what? Yeah. Mm. But it's
3: just, a lot, and that's why I'm so passionate about identity and people knowing their value.
2: I love that. And I love yeah. that you mm. share your story so openly and mm. generously, especially mm. with the children coming through so they can see how that can just. Happen
0: mm-hmm. to that's, good people. That's the thing, isn't it? It's that turning point. It was meeting him mm-hmm. and getting into a relationship with him, mm-hmm. and he had a heroin addiction, mm-hmm. and off it goes. Mm-hmm. It's just like the one decision,
3: one choice, one choice, one choice away. Yeah. Sliding doors. Yes, yes. It's yeah. extraordinary. And I think one of the things I've learned in the twenty-five plus years makes me feel so old, but it mm-hmm. is reality. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, is I can't regret anything. Like people are like, "What would you change? If you could go back, what would you change?" Well, you feel like you'd want to erase most of it. Yeah. Actually can't. You can't. No. No. And so it's healing your way through it. It's Mm. sharing your way through it. It's like you're saying, Mm. using the story to help other people. You know, when I say to people, my past is not my future. What I've done is not who I am. Correct. Correct. Correct.
2: And, and, and it's mean, the same
3: for were, all of us. Absolutely. You were a young
2: girl finding yeah. your way yeah. in the world. Yeah. And you know?
0: I wanted to talk to you about that as well because I'm fascinated with turning points in people's lives, which mm. is why I sort of asked you about that, you know, that mm. point in time where you made that decision, made that choice to actually have that first hit of heroin. but. Yeah. It's, it's the critical moments where someone can identify it and they drag themselves out mm. of a situation and move forward. And I know that your beautiful mum came mm. and found you um, in, an, in the illegal brothel mm. here in Brisbane, working as a prostitute with a heroin addiction. And I wonder, was that your moment when things began to change for you?
3: I wish it was. Yeah. Damn, I would have saved myself another hell. Yeah. I remember sitting again because I see it all in film. And I remember sitting in this house and her writing down her phone number on a piece of paper and it just, she literally just wrote mum and oh, her phone number I? for mm-hmm. home because we didn't have mobiles. Yeah. And um, sliding it across the table and she said, anytime.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And it was not long after that I made contact with that friend that. I tried to detox with and all I yes. remember saying to him was, I cannot go back to the sex industry. It's killing me. Like I'm killing myself slowly. Yes. Mm. And he was just like, I can't believe you let yourself get there. He mm. was my ex-boyfriend from high school.
1: Okay. My wow. mom always
3: wanted him to be my like return high school sweetheart. <laughs> um, and then that was the commitment. I'm not going back to the sex industry. So I just did other things, you know, or, you know, just – slept with people you know like not getting paid for it for drugs and crime okay. and you know just borrowed money or friends I knew I was never going to pay back like I was a okay. horrible human
0: mm. very
3: selfish yeah. and very caught up.
0: In oh, addictions change. are selfish. Yeah yeah
3: oh. yeah. oh yeah. So then um at 20 I was 24 I'd been on heroin for six years mm. and there was a batch of heroin in Brisbane that was killing people. Yes. I, when I again when I talk in schools I'm like Okay, kids, so every batch of heroin can kill people. Mm-hmm. But this batch was a killer batch. And so I had friends that were overdosing, friends that were dying. It was horrible and I got scared. And it was the first time in six years, you asked before about when, mm. like, what, where was the fear? Was there no fear factor in this? Mm-hmm. I was so caught up and I just remember feeling scared for the first time. Yep. And it was then that I was kind of like, well, I guess I sh- could go and see someone. And I went and saw a doctor who treated heroin addicts, and I thought if he helps addicts, maybe he could help me. Not realizing that I was one. That's so oh, yeah. yeah.
0: So you didn't identify as yeah. a as having a heroin addiction. No. What no. did you identify as? I don't know. Okay. Like lost. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit lost within the addiction. Yeah. It has all the power. No. Yeah. It and, has all the power. And I say to people, it doesn't
3: discriminate. No. Like I've, I've met people gosh, from. No. No, all over the place with all a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, people with money have access oh to Oh, my money gosh. Mm-hmm. Access mm-hmm. to their parents' medicine cabinets, let's just say that, you know. And, yeah, that's all I know is that addiction doesn't discriminate and it takes a, the human with the addiction to make the choice to change. You can't yeah. make it for anybody else. There was times I tried to get clean for my mum's sake. Yes. it lasts last like four days. <laughs> yes, ring someone and say come and get me from the sunshine coast and bring me a shot of heroin like I cannot stay here I'm losing my mind Mm, um you know you'd think oh I, I can do this and I'd stay clean off heroin for 3 days and think I deserved a treat and the only thing I knew how was to uh, to care. reward
2: myself. Yeah. Mm. When the during those 3 days like you always hear about the the coming off or mm. the detox or whatever, what was that like? Withdrawal. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. If anyone's so. ever seen
3: train spotting, it's not yes. far from the truth. Yes, yes I, have. I have seen that movie yeah. and mm. I have gone into yeah. the toilet to get tablets out that I, yeah oh it's a mess yeah so it's literally hell on earth and your mm-hmm. whole body is you, you know it's a psychological and a physical addiction um and then your emotions and your you know your mind and your spirit are crazy yeah, and so it's literally tied in together the whole the chemical out.
2: makeup of your body is mm-hmm. just totally out of whack
0: yeah so Bron when you went into rehab how long were you there for
3: i was in rehab for nearly nine months that that doctor you know he just said to me basically you're dying a slow death I can help you but you need to go to rehab and I said don't drug addicts go to rehab and I remember him looking at me like yeah
2: and <laughs> mm.
3: He's like you need a medical sported- and that was a total moment yep. of
2: confusion in your eyes I was like, like
3: why are you looking at me like that so rude
2: <laughs> <laughs> judgy pants <laughs> judgy Gosh. mr doctor yeah I know. what do you think you know yeah <laughs> yeah
3: so I went to that rehab and it was a Christian rehab and I ended up becoming a Christian for me it was a turning point because it was I needed I needed – I didn't just need a forgiveness from this, you know, greater being that had created the world. I needed to forgive me. Yes. And that has been, honestly, a 23-year journey because the decisions that I've made since that moment haven't all been – Yeah. You know, it's kind of like becoming a Christian wasn't – didn't make it a bed of roses for me. And if it was, there was way more
2: thorns than I ever thought there'd be. So
3: it hasn't all been easy. No. Um, I
2: think we are our worst enemies in our heads. And, you know, Mm. the the forgiveness that we will extend to others quite often isn't as generous as what we do to ourselves. No. And,
3: you know, part of my life message is for people to learn not just to be kinder to themselves, but to be more gentle with themselves Mm. because we can be really brutal. It's like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I made that decision. I can't believe I stayed stuck. I can't believe... It took that long. I can't believe I didn't call my mum when she gave me that piece of paper. I can't believe Mm -hmm. I can't, you know. And then, you know, years later married a guy who I'd met in rehab
2: who it's Mm -hmm. not,
3: P.S., anyone listening, that's not where you find Prince Charming.
2: That in itself sounds like a, a novel. Yeah. You know, oh my falling gosh! Falling in love with the guy you met in rehab. Yeah. How? how did I'm that devising happen? a movie as you're talking.
3: I've got oh. it's running through I my know. head. I've got it all. I know. I have got happening. copies of my MP3 of for you ladies to yeah. take home. Just because you know an hour won't be enough of my voice. It's nine hours of me reading my story.
2: Oh wow! But it's.
3: Um, I think for me, you know, like nobody then taught me what it means to be this. You know, you've gone from really messy, broken, angry, so angry. Um, young girl and these people just love me and they were kind to me and they were patient with me. The people and I in didn't recap? deserve it. You yeah. yeah. mm, wow. did not deserve it at all. Yes you did.
2: Well We're well. still doing it aren't we? Yeah. 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 No,
3: at the time I yeah. made it I made the job pretty tough.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. 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 Um, so that's the addiction, you know. That's, that's yeah. The, that's it's what beast. It does to you. It is a beast. Mm. I say this like I've got so much. Well, I do knowledge. having been yeah, connected to someone, yeah, yeah. Who
0: yeah, who had a horrendous, horrendous, yeah, it's
3: yeah, yeah. And it's even challenge. for the people that get out, your life still has a little thread of tragedy. Oh gosh, yeah. You mm. know, it's like, oh, that's right. That is my um, yes. My past is not my future, and what I've done is not who I am
2: still in my story. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And I think, you know, if we just try and go, you know what, I was at that time I was doing the best I could with what I had. Mm. With the mental clarity you had that Mm. was so fogged. Yeah, well, you didn't have any mental clarity. No. (laughs) You know, (laughs) did you? Yeah. Poor darling. Yeah. And, you know, And as I said before, now you're so generously sharing that story Mm. with the younger generation Mm -hmm. that you living that life could potentially stop others yeah. having to have that experience. So, yeah.
0: Roman, I'm curious too. So when you, you finally left rehab mm-hmm. and you were clean, mm-hmm. and did, you, did the rebuilding of your life, was it something that you kind of semi-planned during your time in rehab or did it, did it just unfold organically?
3: No. I, when I left rehab, I remember saying to the guy who was running the church that I was still, still attached to at the time, I just want to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. I want everyone to know that they can be free. Yeah, And so I ended up just literally renting a share house in Camp Hill. I remember going to the real estate agency and I was like, I've, ha- I've got this idea. I just want women that want to get off drugs to just like n- no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so the um, real
2: estate agent go, yeah, that sounds excellent. excellent.
3: <laughs> looked at me they were like, you, you know, do you have a bond? Yeah. <laughs> do you have any money? <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, the guy who happened to own the six bedroom house with a pool that I ended up renting, it was crazy story. Was a um, supreme court judge here in Brisbane, who had a heart to help oh, wow. Messy, wow. messy broken lives get yep. better, and they let me. <laughs> I don't know why. I had no money. Why.
2: Oh, but you know, I, I know. just think oh, s- if I was in that situation, yeah. and you know, money wasn't an issue, yeah, if you could and afford it,
0: somebody,
3: yeah,
2: and you what were going a to help. Great
0: gift to be able yeah, to. to do. So, yeah. what did you do in th-
2: with this? So, house? women came
3: to live in this ridiculously hilarious share house, and people bought us blankets and heaters and food, and we swam in the pool when it was warm enough, and um, and then everyone at one stage was clean and, you know, it was like family dinners around the table. And I was like, yes, this yes. is amazing. Normal. And then so good mm-hmm. and so healing for them. And yeah. it was just me doing my thing and just, you know. And then one of the women, something had happened in her life and she got stoned and then three days later, tried you know, used heroin. Oh. And then literally within a month, all five of the women that were living in the house oh. were back on drugs. So they one by one moved out. Then one of my best friends at the time, who's still one of my closest friends, moved in. She was pregnant with my now goddaughter, who's turned 21 last year, which is crazy. And then we had these rooms. So the couple of guys from rehab that needed somewhere to... By then I'm like, oh, obviously the thought and the vision of what I thought it was isn't what it is. Yeah. I need to pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these couple of guys from rehab that needed somewhere to stay moved in, got drunk one night, had sex, got pregnant. Oh, my girl's dad was like, oh, crap, I guess we better get married. Yes. And I now have three phenomenal daughters. Yes. From that union and w- he left when they were age two, four, six. But in the midst of that, I
2: wrote the book and started the charity and blah, blah, blah. it are be a great movie. So yeah. Cool. It, yeah, and I think it will be one day. I mean, two, yeah. four, six. And started a charity, wrote a book, yeah. staying clean. Yeah, you stayed whilst clean. So you weren't struggling to go back. Oh. through a relationship that was in decline. Clearly, yeah. yeah good
0: how did you? you afford to pay hey, the rent? Me. Were you working? Yeah, you. As well? well done.
1: Were
0: um, you working as well? Like when you first got into that house and you with the with the other five girls, how did you? I think
3: I was just on Centrelink. I don't. Okay. I didn't have a job. Okay. Um, I think I your, thought you about You saw studying. your role
0: as their kind care, of carers or caretaker, you know, kind, yeah. kind of, yeah. Everyone,
3: kind of chipped in everything, just kind of okay. worked.
2: There was no program, right? Yes, yeah. and yep. it wasn't like you was have to give me eighty percent of your money. Providing a space, yeah, yeah. safe okay. space,
3: which is and
2: who I am. The Tight, long cuddles. The tight, long cuddles. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned that you've. You wrote the first book, then. Mm -hmm. So I think you've written three books. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Uh, Trophy of Grace, Her Past Is Not Her Future, and I Have Issues. Don't you?
1: (laughs) Which yes,
3: I I do. (laughs) And that came out in two thousand eight. Before Brené Brown made vulnerability cool. Ah, yes. So I am going to relaunch it next year after my studies finish, and I'm going to do it as a study guide with guided, like you know, video teachings. Brilliant, yeah. Because it's it it, now. It's the kind of message that's for now. Yeah, it's just a little bit ahead of my time. You're ahead (laughs) of your time, (laughs) but it's it's just about helping people connect with themselves, connect with a greater being, connect with freedom. Make choices that forgive themselves, kind to themselves, gentle with themselves, all of the things that I've learned even more of in the last three or four years than I knew in
2: 2008. For you to have written that book with what you've experienced Mm -hmm. comes from such a place of deep knowledge in how that can transpire. Like if somebody says to you, oh, no, accept yourself, or this, that, and the other, it's like, well, you know, what are you talking about? How do you know? Yeah. You know. Yeah, I read between everybody's lines. Yeah. Yeah. So my first book
3: was called Trophy of Grace and I wrote it when my baby, whose name is Grace, not about her, um, she's about to turn 21, was six months old, rolling around on the floor and someone gave me a computer and said, you know, you should write your story. And I was like, what? Mm. And I just started writing and I didn't know it was a book when I started. I just knew it was therapy and I needed to get it
0: out. Great therapy. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the, so it's the last book that, that you're going to relaunch. Mm-hmm. I have issues, don't you? Mm-hmm. So have you added to that because you wrote it obviously quite a few years ago, yeah? And you've added to that, and that's why you're relaunching it, yeah? Because it's, it's got edited and changed. Yeah, I've edited and changed. Of course, yeah. yeah.
3: And yeah. I'm excited about it. I just this year's a focus of. Getting a diploma you've and You've got to get qualified. your counselling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: that's taking up like, so much
3: of your time. Yeah. <laughs> were
2: you, at school, were you into creative writing? Like, was yes. English a thing? Like, you did? Yes. Mm. Okay. I, wanted, I thought about
3: studying journalism. It was either okay. journalism
0: or film.
2: Yeah. And I've you've obviously got that, that
3: creative writing.
0: side. We've been talking about that because you ended up at
2: that school. You were yeah. interested in mm. art. So and when you say you, you see things I see in film, In film, that's, yeah. I totally relate to that. Yeah. I'm a very visual person. And,
3: and chapter books, you know. Yeah. Mm. It's like I see, Yeah. Mm. Chronicles, you know. Yeah. So besides
2: writing the books, you've also... <laughs> You're making Trish and I feel like I complete underachieving. What, <laughs> what, what have I been doing? What have I been doing? I often say that on this podcast. Yeah, podcast. when we're talking to amazing women. 2006, you founded the Hope Foundation charity. 2011, opened a drop-in space called Hope Haven, and 2015 opened the Lovewell Project, a social enterprise cafe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us us.
0: about those and the drive behind creating them? That was
3: in 2005. I started outreaches to the women that I used to be. So we did Valentine's Day and that was just rallying a bunch of volunteers from at that stage, a bunch of different churches, getting people to donate pamper products and chocolates and flowers and basically anything that any woman on the planet would want and to know that they're valued and seen, that they were fully seen and they were truly loved and that Mm -hmm. they belonged. And there was hugs galore, you can imagine. So we did Valentine's Day. And then that year we did Christmas in July. And then we did Valentine's Day, the beginning of 2006. And then I felt like I heard this voice from heaven tell me to start a charity. And I spoke to a friend who was a lawyer. And I said, look, I've got this name and he said, if the name doesn't exist on the, you know, whatever the, I don't even know still the words for it all these years later, I'll do the work pro bono. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, free. And I was like, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll find a name. <laughs> we'll find, yeah.
3: So I said, the name the name that I believe from heaven is Hope Foundation. And he said, there's no way that name's not taken. I said, Okay. And he looked it up and, well, we already know I was the founder of the Hope Foundation, so ha-ha on him. (laughs) Wow, And pro bono, whatever that was. um, For free. For free. (laughs) And so we started work on a constitution that I didn't understand all of the language of. All I knew was that I wanted to reach the women. And when I look back now, you know, founding and running a charity is hard work. It costs a lot of money. It's a big business. It's massive. And I had no idea what I was doing so-called what I was doing. Yeah. And you so had the,
2: the, the dream. You had the vision. The, yeah, vision, The vision.
3: And the passion. The heart, the hugs. Yeah. The stories. The it was hard work. The bottom line was we came alongside women wanting life change from addictions and the sex industry with the message you loved and valued and created with a purpose. Beautiful. And we believed it and we walked it. So I ran that charity – and then we yeah opened the drop-in space and then we founded the cafe because i wanted the women to be retrained, reskilled, reintegrated to yeah. society mm. and then in 2019 i came out of a painful second marriage and a very quick painful second marriage and got divorced and then had a car accident and wasn't a very pleasant ending with the charity that I'd founded, which was all a little bit heartbreaking and still processing the grief of the way that that ended.
2: Yep. Is that really?
3: charity and foundation still running, Ronwyn? I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's changed and I think its names have changed and I don't, mm. the sad part is I had coffee with a friend today. She was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I'm not attached to it at all. Mm. Yeah. And when you say it like that, you realise the heartbreak in it. And I've done a lot of healing around it mm. and can talk about it now with a semi-smile on my face because I have the memories mm-hmm. yeah, and the stories well, and think, the women and you the know, hugs. To yeah. me, the
2: message behind it is you started that. You've Absolutely. changed yeah. so many lives and nobody can take that away from you. They Thanks. can't. Yeah. You own that. Yeah. You own Thanks, that. ladies. You own mm. that,
0: sister. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're on Team Bronwyn.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm Team Bronwyn. Yeah.
0: I <laughs> You, you and me both, darling. <laughs>
2: um, Bromwyn,
0: you are a speaker, and so tell us, what do you speak about most often um, to your audience?
2: So you've you've spoken like in the US, yeah, and yeah, Australian Parliament House, and yeah, schools, churches.
3: Mm-hmm. So all Amazing. across Australia, um, New Zealand, and America, I've been going to America. Well, before COVID once or twice a year since 2006. Oh, I think we need got to pop back over I and know, do a couple in Texas, it. but
2: anyway, we went go down a rabbit hole.
3: Really mm. dear friends that you just miss and miss and miss and anyway. And a lot of it has been st- woven through my story. So if it's yes. churches, if it's schools, if it's government, sounds ridiculous, there's not a lot of bases that my story doesn't cover. And so you've got, you know, raised a good kid and then drugs and then abortion and then a miscarriage and then broken relationships and then marriage and divorce and solo parenting and um, living on the poverty line. And like, there's a lot of, you know, starting a charity, starting a social enterprise. um, Studying. Repurposing. Repurposing. And, you know, so people would just invite me in to share my story. And I'm a storyteller.
2: Yeah, you are a great storyteller. Mm. I can
3: tell. I can talk
2: about. I can talk about anything. Yeah. If people yep.
3: give me a topic, I just spoke last week for a bunch of stuff for a large, den- not you know, global denomination, and I was like, "What do you want me to talk about?" And they were like, "Talk about justice." I was like, "Okay, give me a topic. Give me a women's conference. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. in church, out of church, I don't mind. Mm. You know, wherever mm. I'll I'll go and." When I went through the second divorce and then the pain of the charity and I'd had the car accident and was learning to live with chronic pain and that's a whole nother box I can tick now. Because that would have
2: been difficult because of the opioids, the pain relief medication. No, I didn't take any. Yeah, that's what I mean, like being Mm -hmm. a heroin Yeah.
3: Well, it was that, but it was also I've done a lot of hard work to get better connected to myself and I don't. Wanna yeah, just want to disconnect from me? Don't want to have that. I've done everything Bealing holistically, more distortion. Yeah. and 100%. a lot of it's been learning about food and essential oils, and sleep and rest, mm-hmm. and yin yoga. And um, I just did
2: a yin yoga this morning online. I love it.
3: Mm. And learning to breathe. Mel's and
2: looking at to like, myself. who are you? What have you done with Rich? <laughs>
0: She's like.
2: Sorry. Yin yoga.
1: I know I, I went I went for a when run. She takes a week I off.
0: P- pounded the pavement.
1: Yeah. You hate you'd hate <laughs> yin yoga. I don't
0: I, I, love I bro- it. really I think I might like right. learning <laughs> to breathe
3: and connect to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all of that and mm-hmm. then going okay, well again, my past is not my future. I want to again repurpose my pain. It's felt like a very long, lonely wilderness season of um, I feel like the truest version of myself I've ever been. Mm. um and a lot of it has been about unbecoming so I was Bronwyn Healy the you know founder and CEO of the Hope Foundation and this global speaker who was on and off tv and blah 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 blah, in and out of magazines and shaking hands with the future king of England to a mum at home with two bulging discs crying every day Mm. through pain and the heartbreak of a second marriage that I had had higher hopes for yeah and a lot of it has – it's been very – it's a lonely. It's yes. lonely. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it was unbecoming. It was unravelling. It was like this: I'm not who everybody thought I was. And who? you
2: probably didn't even feel congruent to who you know th- No. You were. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's
3: been massive. Yeah. But I feel – And I think
2: a lot of – I mean, a lot of midlife women who have not necessarily lived your journey mm. – do feel that, mm. that who am I, who do I want to be? I, I don't feel congruent with who I am. Mm. I was this person during this stage of my life and this person now. Who am I? Yeah. Mm. Who do I want to be? And again, it's about identity, mm. which is what I've always
3: been passionate about. So now who am I? And now what do I believe? And now what do I want to tell people? And what stories do I want to share? Mm. And I feel a bit like I'm coming out of the wilderness Yep. Um, and I'm back, you know, doing speaking engagements and going to launch a new website and invited to do this podcast with you lovelies and, you know, it's like I'm refinding my voice um, but the friend that I met with this morning, she just, I've known her 20 years and she said, you are the calmest and truest version of yourself you've ever
2: been.
0: Oh, okay, that's that. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Amazing feedback well, too because… I must
2: say that the yeah. Bronwyn that I have met today is amazing, impressive, generous, kind and, yeah… Yeah, all, all of the. You above. certainly have
0: a very calm presence. Thanks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I'm wondering too, because you're now um, studying counselling, mm-hmm. uh, like as if you can't squeeze any more into you your know. life. <laughs> Are you using those skills, or have you used them? What you're learning in your counselling course to help you through, like everything that has just happened to you most recently? Have you used them? And my other question is where do you see yourself most prominently using those skills when you're finished your course? Mm. So I cry at the end of most classes and most readings and most
3: chapter books. Like one of the books we're studying at the moment is, you know, the the using the basically using the power of worry and anxiety to become a better person. And, you know, my mum passed away last year and she was my person. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So so much grief, so much loss, so much heartbreak. And so I cry at the end of sessions, I cry in my workbooks, I cry in my study groups, I'm known for it. It's so healing, mm, so, yeah. healing. Yeah. so healing. Yeah, And it's definitely the right time. Um, I feel like, you know, for me it's like counselling isn't just what I do, it's part of who I am. Yeah, And so I've always sat with people in conversation and gone a little bit deeper and I ask the questions that they may not answer in a real-life counselling session because they mm. feel safe and because they've had the tender long hug and so <laughs> yes. you know they feel safe and it's beautiful for people to feel seen and loved. Yeah. And so I think that I will I think and I, who knows mm-hmm. think that I will do some private practice. Yeah. When I'm finished, mm-hmm. I'm considering further studies. One of my Study group was like, you would be an amazing lecturer and you should write some books. And I kind of have done all that. (laughs) But I think that I see private practice in my future. And I definitely think that using these skills to just become a better human, I'm a better mum, I think I'm a better friend. I think I'm just an all-round better human because I'm getting more connected to myself and uprooting a whole bunch of crap and shame and guilt yeah. and all of that.
0: Yeah. Before? So basically, sorry, Trish. That, so the answer to that is, um, <laughs> I mean, <don't>, I don't. <laughs> There's so many questions, Bronwyn. So um, you are using the the skills and the readings and stuff like that yeah. to heal yourself like yes. as you do your course, 100%. and then you see yourself in private
2: practice. Mm-hmm. Beautifully answered and who knows, and and who knows what
0: else, yeah.
2: Okay, go, go, Trish, go. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're ready. you <Like> really sure? <laughs> from when, when you were saying that with your study, when you read your novels or read your counselling sessions, etc., that you're crying a lot, do you feel that is those tears are coming from years of held grief? Like even when you were addicted to heroin and it had all been just kind of Pushed down or in oblivion, that Mm. that's just like the onion, it's just layer upon layer coming up, releasing and healing. I think it's you realise that grief, loss, heartbreak,
3: all of it is compounded. And so it's really just like allowing myself to look like a shattered mosaic on the floor Mm. and what pieces of those broken, colourful um, pieces of glass. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Pieces of glass. Am I supposed to take into my future? And so I think I've never been one to sweep crap under the rug and just kind of be like, let's leave that for later. Because if I did, there'd be a mountain. I would never, I'd mm-hmm. never, I'd, I, you'd, you'd never move on. Mm-hmm. And so, but you look back and you're like, there's definitely been compounded pain in my story. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm only 47. I've got a lifetime ahead of me.
0: Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You
2: know, a long way to go damn to straight go. sister yeah. damn yeah. straight <laughs> yeah. so we mentioned that you know you've spoken in parliaments and schools and churches and you've also been a nominee for the Queensland Pride of Australia medal Telstra businesswoman of the year Queensland finalist for the Australian of the year so that's all pretty remarkable yeah it's pretty impressive <laughs> so <laughs> just saying If you had to choose a particular pinch me moment of when you went, wow, I can't Mm. believe I'm actually here doing this, what would it be? Like other than your beautiful, gorgeous girls Mm. that I'm sure are the biggest, proudest achievement, Mm. what would the next proudest achievement be? It
3: would be, so one of my dear friends is the founder of Give It, Juliet Wright. Adorable, human. And we had both been finalists for Queensland Australian of the Year I don't think in the same year, I can't remember how it worked, but I lost out to Mal's Last Dancer, which is rude. And his family, (laughs) his daughter came up to me afterwards. She's like, you were our favourite nominee. I'm so sorry you were up against my dad. He wins everything. Oh, (laughs) bless. She's like, can I get a photo with you? Oh, wow. So sweet. That is beautiful. That was beautiful. The next year, um, Wills and Kate were coming to Australia and the people that had been finalists for Australian of the Year got invited. So I can't remember if Jules and I were up in the same year. Maybe we were and um, it happened to fall on my birthday. Nice. nice. I know, thanks. Did you say, thank you, it's Queensland. my birthday? Thank you, Queensland. Wills,
2: how about a little kiss on the cheek? <laughs> yeah.
3: thank you, Queensland, for the royal reception <laughs> for my birthday and the scallops and the champagne. And um, I was standing next to Jules, and she said to me, she goes, You've got special favour. I bet one of them comes up to talk to you because they'd send us like 12 pages of protocol. Like, oh, And wow, I was wow. like, I'm going to forget. Yeah. You're meant to bow your head a certain amount of centimetres. got to oh. shake this hand. And the first time, if you meet them... You've got to say hello Don't tap such him and tap him on so his ass. On th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do not tap him on the butt. And there was so much protocol, and I thought, oh crap, I've never been great at that. Like I just oh see my I'm
2: getting anxiety just. I know, and I want do the
0: TLC, oh, the yeah, tentacles. No, like, I know <laughs>
2: Can we not so say, can hug? I hug, I'll a great Come hug. here a great and give
0: me a yeah. hug. But
2: it's like <laughs> you need a hug, Will. It's
3: over, been a rough ride. Yeah, over the years, it's been yeah. you know with politicians and prostitutes and pimps and all sorts of people. So I was just like, I'm great at protocol yeah anyway jules is standing there and she goes one of them they'd said they're running late they're not going to have a lot of time they'll shake maybe two or three people's hand on each side kate will go one way wills will go the other and i was like whatever so jules and i are standing there and she says one of them will shake your hand and i was like what Sure. you're like the founder of give it hello mm-hmm. anyway and then he comes up we had these name badges on and mine said obviously brahman healy hope foundation and he came up and just shook my hand and stood right in front of me and i'm thinking holy crap, I don't remember the protocols. how many centimetres I'm supposed to bow my head and I oh hope I God. didn't call him Wills. I didn't. She told me later. She's like, he didn't. Oh. But he said, hi, Bronwyn, lovely to meet you. What does the Hope Foundation do? Oh, He asked me a question. What are you oh, going to say? Okay. So I said, oh, the Hope Foundation come alongside women wanting life change from addictions and or the sex industry. Oh, wow. And he looked at me oh. and he said, wow, why? Well." You asked,
0: so off I, said, I go.
3: Exactly, I'm going to <laughs> story question. You asked the question, future king of England. Lovely. Um, and I said, the women that we reach used to be me.
0: <gasps> Brilliant, right? Great answer. Great, it's true. Yeah, It's true.
3: He was like, I beg your pardon. <sighs> and I said, the women that I reach used to be me. Jules is like oh, my gosh, what is happening? Good girl. Anyway. But,
2: you know, how refreshing for someone to be so honest and generous with their story. Yes. Yeah. Once again. Yeah, he was probably like, excuse me? I beg your pardon? Mm.
3: (laughs) So, anyway, about a week later I got an email from, uh, like, the Governor General or something um, about something (laughs) about them. Hierarchy. Some Yeah, I don't know, some gold fancy thing on the envelope Mm -hmm. and suggesting that I send a copy of my book. To Buckingham Palace <gasps> to Wills and Kate. So <gasps> I did. And I have a reply letter from their secretary thanking me with a personal signature, not just a. That yeah. is cool.
0: That's wow. So that, that is
3: cool. Pinch me oh, a thousand times. Bumps. Pinch everybody. Oh, so yeah. Who knows where it went, but it went to Buckingham Palace with my name oh my and my gosh. signature to them. It was so great to meet you at the Queensland State reception. Here's a copy of my book. Blah blah oh, blah. Oh, that is oh, nice.
2: wonderful. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. And it was yeah, that's a pinch me times a thousand. Yeah, yeah. That yeah,
0: really I, happened I would, on, would, on my birthday. I would, on agree, birthday. would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> on, I would agree. I'd Mm. be happy with that on my birthday. That's
3: and is that in a
2: little frame somewhere? It should be. Should be packed
3: in a box. We just moved house. It'll be somewhere. Yeah, that sounds. You'll get to that. Every good intention. I'm Mm going to put that in a frame one day. (laughs) I've got it. I've still got it. Yeah, yeah. Survived all of the house moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bronwyn,
0: unfortunately, we are running out of time, and we have a wrap up question that Mm -hmm. we ask all our guests, and that is: if you could go back in time, what would the 40ish Bronwyn tell the 20ish Bronwyn?
3: Be kinder and more gentle
0: with yourself because yes. you're a beautiful human.
2: Yes. You are. Mm. You are yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah. I want to go and back and give that 20-ish, Bronwyn, oh, yeah. a big hug. I mean, I'm going to give you another one. Can There's a- no a- doubt about that. Can Elon mm-hmm. Musk um, do something about time travel
0: yes, I <laughs> so we can go back and give you that hug? Oh, I my know. God. Yeah.
2: Robin, it has been absolutely delightful Loved to spend every minute. time with you today. Thank you Just for you being so generous. An amazing human being. Fifty Thanks for and having me. Fifty and oh, awesome. Our pleasure. Yeah. Our absolute honour and pleasure. So
0: that's it from us today. If you would like to know about our extraordinary guest, Bronwyn Healy, head to our show notes where we have put um, links to her socials. And don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram at don't give a 50 or email us at hello at don'tgiver50.com.au. And remember our gorgeous 50-ishes and 40-ishes. Life is for living. Don't give a 50 because we're all 50 and awesome, regardless of age and living and aging and hugging. It's an absolute privilege. Yes, ladies.
2: So more
0: TLCs. TLCs. Tight, long hugs.
2: Bronwyn. And we'll also, so great on the chat. socials, I just remembered, we'll mm. put more information on Bronwyn's, um, what was your website? It's Love it's coming soon, but coming it's lovebronwyn.com. Yeah, Love I'll put that Not on Love there. Not Com. Don't yeah. discuss that. There was a
0: typo <laughs> from, from me. I had a shocker there. Bronwyn. But um, no, we will do that. So it's yes. coming soon. Coming but soon. I'll put it on there anyway for, for everybody so that they can,
2: like, check in. Eventually land on it. Land. Yeah. Feel all yeah. the love. Yeah. Feel all the love. Well, I'm getting another tight cuddles. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you, Bronwyn. Thanks. Take care, Bye. darling. Bye. Bye. <laughs> TLC, tight, long, hugger. Tight, long, hugger. We love TLC. We love it.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods